The Spanish Announce Table. What up, bitch ass? This is episode 328 of the Spanish Announce Table, QT Marshall's favorite podcast. God, Quad Track Marshall, sorry, uh, man, we were going to get you on. I know we promised, uh, but we've got so many Tweet the Tables, uh, which is an interactive segment that we like to play with the fans. There's so many of those because of the WrestleMania, the AEW Dynamites, all that stuff. We're going to have to push this time, um, but... Quentin Tarantino Marshall, we love you. Uh, our our biggest uh, uh, internet uh, fan, would you say? Yeah, Cutie Marshall is mm-hmm. just one of our biggest supporters on online, uh, Twitter specifically. So thank you so much, Cutie. Um, but we can't get to you this week, but we will get to you eventually. Uh, but Promise. hey, let's get Promise. right to the breaking news. Tim, I think you got that queued up for us. Mm. Uh, some breaking news has that? just started. <laughs> you think uh, the that? Spanish announce table. Uh, WWE. Hey, look. Before you get it pulled up here, because I'm... I, oh, I have I'm it pulled up, up, like you thought, because oh, I'm, okay. I'm a genius, you know what I mean? They're good I, to I, hear, I, I so let's get right to it. This this is some breaking news as we just started recording. Tim, uh, you're better at reading the news than I am, so let's get it right into it. Well, uh, even though we have an extension due to coronavirus and how great we handle that in the United States, it's tax day, the axe day in the WWE world, and no, I'm not talking about IRS, though I might be talking about a son... Bo Dallas is one of the uh, names that is on the carousel of uh, future endeavored list, Tom, right? Folks heading out the door. WWE's current list of superstars, right, that they're letting go. They do this every year after Mania, it seems like, usually mm-hmm. nowadays. And it's Billy Kay and Peyton Royce of the Iconics, Mickey James, Chelsea Green, Tucker, Kalisto, Wesley Blake, Bo Dallas, and the biggest name on the list, Samoa Joe. So yeah, what do you oh, think you about said, this? You uh, said Mojo too. I think Mojo news. was on there as well. That may be late uh, breaking here, but no we'll fact get confirmation. Yeah, we'll yeah. fact check that a little bit later. Maybe but that's that just is hope. the yeah that yeah, maybe it is just hope. Uh, we'll get more confirmation on that here shortly. But that is the official list so far as of this recording. Um, Tim, before I share my thoughts, what do you think about that? You know. We're getting these every year, it seems. Uh, last year, I think we were a little more butthurt about it as a fan base because we were like, come on, dicks. Like, it's coronavirus, and McMahon had just been named to a council to get America back to work right mm-hmm. around the same time. I don't know if you remember that going oh, on. Yeah. Like, got named yeah, to a presidential council. Uh, mm-hmm. And so we were a little upset. This year kind of makes sense. It feels weird that it does happen now, like right on tax day. It's like, like that's on purpose, right? Like you're like, this ended on ta- on tax. This is tax day to tax day. Um, and it's right after mania, which I guess kind of makes sense. But uh, as far as the individuals, Samoa Joe is the biggest name. That's interesting. We've got a lot to dig in there. The Iconics, I think, is a big whiff too. Man, how did they screw this up so repeatedly? Uh, the other names, uh, you know what I mean? Mickey James, if she wants to wrestle, will always have her husband is one of the producers of NWA Power, right. uh, you know, and will probably be welcome any other like probably not AEW. I don't know. I mean, uh, AEW. I don't know her relationship with those folks. Period. But like, I would imagine an impact would take her. Those kind of things. So, um, if these people want to work, there's work. That's a great thing about all this wrestling that's out there now. There's places they will be able to go and be seen. Definitely not in the numbers of WWE though. So that. Means a money loss for some of these folks, I imagine, huh? Yeah, so I think 
the biggest loss isn't Samoa Joe. I think the biggest loss is the Iconics. I thought that's a ready-made tag team for any division in any promotion, obviously in WWE or outside of WWE, AEW, Impact. You know, the list can go on. Uh, I think they are the two biggest losses uh, from the roster because they were awesome. Obviously, they won the tag team championships over Sasha Banks and uh, Bailey for a couple years ago at WrestleMania. So obviously, there's some there there's some stock you can put into them. I think with the news from AEW kind of jumping over to that little bit of breaking news, uh, Ivelisse getting released from AEW. She was part of the first ever uh, tag team. Uh, women's tag team world cup or whatever that was called. Um, now you can insert the iconics and now you can build a women's tag team division over an AEW. I think that's ready made right there for you. Samoa Joe is the biggest name from a name standpoint. I think everyone knows more about Samoa Joe than anyone else from this list. Like I said, the iconics as a duo is, is just as known, I think, but Samoa Joe as an individual talent is the biggest name on this list. However, I will point to you that Samoa Joe has been wrestling at a breakneck speed. It feels like since 2002, maybe 2003. I mean, he has iconic matches back to his Ring of Honor days, not even including, you know, his classics with Kurt Angle in Impact Wrestling or TNA at the time. And then you just, you know, culminate that into the WWE where he had matches with Roman Reigns and AJ Styles and all of this stuff. That's a lot of miles on the body. So I don't know necessarily if, well, one second here. Oh, my Got my light turned off here. Nope. Oh. Tom lost light. So oh my goodness. Look at him. He's just falling all over the place. I'm but you're not wrong. I mean, Samoa Joe has been has been up and down the road. And then when he got to WWE, obviously he's had these concussion issues. So, you know, we've got to deal with with that. And it looks like he'd been sidelined. And, and you're right. He may be to a point where he's not able to get cleared. And then they probably don't want to pay for that level of a talent contract and probably – Wanted to rework a deal. I can only imagine this is like any kind of sports team. And then, uh, you know, he said, I'm not going to work for that little bit of money. I'm going to work for Corey Graves' money or whatever the hell right. they got going on. And then maybe that's where we're going. This is all speculation. We can't even fact check that, of course. So um, who knows? Yeah. So before my uh, little technical mishap here, and I apologize about that, I think the Iconics is the biggest loss for WWE because I think you can take them to AEW or Impact Wrestling and say, we're going to build around this team. You can obviously in build around those two individuals. Billy Kay and Peyton Royce have proven that they can either cut a promo by themselves or create a character by themselves and get over. Billy Kay did that awesome. I Not awesome, but I thought it was really fun with the resume. Hey, check out what I can do for you. That was fun. It was comedy. It got it over. Fun. Peyton Royce obviously cut that promo on Raw Talk that says, hey, give me my spot. I fucking need huh. this. And if you also consider, you know, she's married i believe to sean spears over at aw so she already has an in with aw so i think that's just the natural progression i imagine of where we'll she goes see them next. over there because yeah. if not both of them because i mean again they they are they're we say they're hurting for a women's division they do have a decent workers well, like they've got good oh, workers they've got some, yeah um and they need to focus more time on it i'll be i will say this american crowds will still have an issue connecting to non-american 
you know, workers, as as good as they are, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. for whatever, I think there's a language barrier issue that we just aren't taught enough to, to, you know what I mean, to work with. Well, that's, yeah, we're being stupid idiots as far as Americans. But I tell you what, you put Britt Baker and Rebel versus the Iconics, and I'm watching that 10 times out of 10. That's that's just. 10 times out of 9 even. Yeah, that is just ready for AEW Dynamite main event for whatever episode you want. So I honestly think they're the I, biggest. I might loss. even watch that over the Cutie Marshall match. Hey, don't you talk bad about our best I friend won't. Cutie Marshall? Quick Trip Marshall is here to stay, and we will talk it's about him guy. in like just a little bit because uh, he looked like an angry bowler on AEW Dynamite. But we'll get to that in a second. But where I see on Twitter a lot of this late breaking news, where hey, uh, Samoa Joe needs to fight fill in the blank wrestler at ring of honor or fill in the blank wrestler impact or fill in the blank wrestler aw i just think to be honest with you hey let's let this guy just chill maybe give him an executive position or a you know um type of backstage role where he can transition to not put so many miles on his body i know that everyone wants samoa joe versus your favorite ring of honor talent or Samoa Joe versus orange Cassidy and AEW or whatever that is. I'm just saying with Samoa Joe specifically, let's just chill. Samoa Joe Miro would be a fun. Oh, Samoa Joe and Kenny Omega would be great. Mm. Samoa Joe and uh, hangman Adam page. If you put Samoa Joe as a heel, that would be great. I just think maybe let's just, Hey, Let's just put him uh, in a, in an ice bath for a couple months, see how he feels, and then we'll get back to him. But but the Iconics, as soon as that whatever time period that they can't compete is uh, done, get them right into a tag division in AEW. That's where I think their natural progression is. Yeah, I really don't know what we're gonna do without Tucker. I really am. Uh, I'm lost on that one. And uh, you know, Chelsea Green and Kalisto and well, so Chelsea Green married to, or I believe engaged to Matt Cardona. Matt Cardona has a good working relationship with Impact. Chelsea Green really made her name in Impact Wrestling as the um, you know bride left at the altar, and then she went nuts. I think she could go right back into that role. She has some real character. Um, chops as far as putting herself over. So I think going back to impact, hanging out with her fiance or husband, again, we don't fact check here. I think that's what she should be doing next. But again, I don't know contracts. Yeah. I have no clue. So and Kalisto, yeah. he could go to triple a, have him and Andrade just take over the world down yeah, there in Mexico. That's that would Lucha be house party, right? That's well, that's two of the three, or that's one of the three members, but Kalisto and Andrade, I think the next triple a, mania would be a headliner every single year well then i I suppose that's the big breaking news so we should probably transition into uh, a fun wednesday evening event because nxt moved to tuesday look we've got wrestlemania to talk about we're going to cover that um wrestling is changing wrestling is a changing right we've got all these folks fired oh my goodness going who knows where uh nxt has moved to tuesday nights dynamite's here they've got dark dark 2 They've got all kinds of shit going on, right? Now they've got another YouTube show going on. It's it's crazy, Tom. It's crazy. I tell you what. It's crazy. We could spend six hours just talking about all the pro wrestling that happened this past week. But as you mentioned, we are an AEW Dynamite focused podcast. So let's get into a recap of AEW Dynamite. Oh, Tom. And. Oh, Tom, you know what these are? What is that? You know what these are? I don't. Tom, 
You would know what these are if you're a good podcast host. No, well, I am not. These are notes, Tom. I took notes. Ooh. All right. Notes. Well, then let's get right into it. So we kicked off AW Dynamite with the promo, which was a little bit out of left field because typically they just start with the action. We started off with a promo from the Young Bucks, essentially having them uh, reason with us why they k- picked Kenny Omega over John Moxley. And this was okay. I thought it was good. It was a good mix up of instead of just saying your first bout, this person versus this person, which is always good as well. It was a good change up as far as format, but the young bucks saying, Hey, we picked our friends. That's who we're always going to go with. John Moxley isn't our friend. He can go fuck off. What did you think about the opening promo from the young bucks? Uh, I liked the opening promo, and and this is where I was sitting. I was like, all right, Young Buck won. Here's got a pretty decent gab here. Like, he's got a a good reasoning for what he's saying. It makes sense, right? And he's like, you know, got a little bravado, a little bit of swag. And then they're like, then they mentioned that word, the old Young Bucks, and that kind of threw me for a loop. I was like, that That doesn't make any sense. And so I was like, okay, man, fine. We're going to run with that on the podcast. I was like, we're going to talk about that a lot. And then, uh, then he was like, you know, we're going to show them that we mean business or whatever, right? I'm paraphrasing, right? And mm-hmm. they start cutting the tassels. And I'm like, okay, that's probably a good move to cut the tassels, right? I'm not going to fault you for cutting the tassels. But then it became evident as we move on into, you know, the, the match that you're going to talk about here. But, like, that was what they meant was they're just cutting the tassels off. So here's the thing that I even said on our Twitter handle, at Table Show. And as uh, longtime listeners know, and Ooh, if you're a first-time listener – Follow us Thank at you. Table so, Show. Yeah. Exactly. But if you're a first-time listener, uh, follow us on Wednesday nights. We do live tweet during AEW Dynamite, and I handled it this week. Uh, what I mentioned is if, you, if you're a fan of AEW Dynamite, which, Tim, you and I are, right? Right. We enjoy AEW Dynamite. That is our jam. We like it as, you know, WrestleTalk says, jam that jam. We're all about it. But if you don't know before AEW, you don't understand what the Bucks are doing. So while it's symbolic that they're cutting the tassels, if you don't know the Young Bucks from their days in Ring of Honor or their days in New Japan, which I understand there is a segment that does. There, there is a segment of Young Buck fans that have followed them back from yep. when they were Generation Me. Generation Me and Impact, and now they're here in AEW. I get that. But... For the rest of us, Tim and I, we don't know that history. So for you to just cut tassels and then to say we're coming out in white, black, and grays, that doesn't mean fucking shit to us. So, like, I get it, and thank you for doing something new and trying something to to keep us invested into your characters, but you have to explain to the audience what this means because... To me, I didn't know what the fuck. Who cares? It's well, tassels. Because to me now, all it looks like is now you came out and staring me in, into the camera like this. Well, and I'm just like, also, I don't It also doesn't make sense because Young Buck One had fucking tassels on his headband. Yeah. So you just took it from your fucking well, arms and put it on your head? I don't give a and shit. And let's talk about this. It's one thing to come out uh, as the Young Bucks in 2021 looking like the Rock and Roll Express in 2021, when your mm-hmm. faces, right, you'll get a pass on that. But when if you're going to do it as heels, 
should have been some haircuts involved. There should have been something else going on here. Yeah, so let's get right into it. Actually, before, though, we get into the match, we did have Mike Tyson saying that he was going to be the enforcer tonight on uh, a match between Chris Jericho and FTR1 or FTR2. I think it was FTR1. Uh, but before he even got to finish his sentence, MJF came out, loved this promo. Because oh, one thing that he did here is he said, hey, Mike Tyson, heard you're really tough. My dad was a big fan. Uh, you were a kid the last time you were relevant. And hey, you know, tonight in this main event, why don't this little $100 bill, I believe it was, why don't this uh, help you kind of sway your feelings towards us? And Mike Tyson, to his credit, was like, fuck that. Hey, no. I'm impartial. If you get out of line, I'm kicking your ass. And if they get out of line, I'm kicking their ass. Mike Tyson all night exceeded my expectations. Mike Tyson this- like didn't flub his lines. He didn't like he didn't say something stupid. He like was believable in some of the stuff. You know what I mean? Like it was it, Mike Tyson did a solid B performance. You know what I mean? Like well, I feel like he did good. And I honestly think of all the appearances he's made even more high-profiled ones, like at WrestleMania 14, this was his best one. This one he seemed to be the most invested in. WrestleMania 14, I can give him a little bit of some slack there because that is a big moment, right? You're the main event of a WrestleMania at 1998 when everyone's looking at you because Stone Cold is about to take over the world. It That can be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Even if you are Mike Tyson, the, the baddest man on the planet, especially in 98. 2021 Mike Tyson seemed like, hey, I have some experience doing this. I've done some movies as well. I know what they expect from me, so I'm going to deliver. And I thought he did really well a job, obviously, from this promo. So now let's move into the AEW World Tag Team Championship match. It was the old Young Bucks taking on Pac and Ray Phoenix. This was a fun one. I know you have some opinions here. Uh, Before you get to yours, though, I will say... Uh, 20 minute pay-per-view quality match. Uh, the young bucks end up winning, but Tim, what did you think? Yeah. I mean, there's fun spots in their matches, right? But there's just so much of, if I'm going to compare this to, and again, maybe a bit unfair of a comparison to do the opening match of dynamite to a main event of WrestleMania. Right. But if we're going to talk about, there was a triple threat because there's this many people in the ring, right? Mm-hmm. Edge, Roman Reigns. Uh, Daniel Bryan were a lot slower and were a lot less athletically awe-inspiring, but told a much more enthralling, um, captivating story. There are matches that we're going to talk about coming up in AEW Dynamite that I don't think people will say that I'm about to say had a more captivating, enthralling story than this here because there's just a lot of hand-holding. There's a lot of flipping and jumping. There's a lot of Quick, nope, you thought I was ahead. Nope, I ducked. Ah, but I've got you. And there's just not, a, there's just no story to it. There's not so that's, too much. Yeah, so that's where I'm going to agree with you. And this is where you might catch a theme, at least with me throughout this podcast episode, is the story didn't have me intrigued enough to know or to consider that there might be a different ending. So, for example, what I'm saying here is if you're going to start the show with the young bucks are going back to their roots, then I know as a grizzled young veteran of pro wrestling, uh, you know, viewership soon I, to be yeah, reckoned. All right. Never. <laughs> I know that they're going to win. 
So if you do a 20-minute match, I'm never going to consider that Pac and Ray Phoenix mm. are going to win this match. So I don't, to your point, mm. all the crazy moves are fun and great. I never once considered that Pac or Ray Phoenix would get the pinfall victory. Now, what I will say is the Young Bucks did a good job of saying like, hey, you saw a couple weeks ago when I was do doing the babyface stuff. Now we're going to do the MJF stuff that we like where uh, Young Buck one, who I think is Matt Jackson, acted as if he was getting the hot tag and then he mm -hmm. jumps in and he does all this stuff. If MJF does that, we're putting that over, right? That yep. was a good heel move. So the heel things that they did in this match are an A+. But to go 20 minutes when you just told me at the start of the show yeah, the we're going long. back to our roots, yeah, I'm not long. intrigued. Yeah, and, and yes, the heel move of ripping off the mask was sudden and quick, and that was one of the coolest things they did. But yes, like there's so many, and I'm going to go through, you know, when we're going through this, I'm going to point out the other matches with people that, again, you wouldn't think I would say had a better match here because, again, these guys are very athletic. They were all jumping around all over the ring. But when you're doing that, here's where you lose the believability is – is Young Buck 1 is going to run to the top rope and he's going to do a triple spinning over his ball sack plancha dive, right? I think that's the thing. Yeah. And uh, Pac's going to take it, right? But what how they set that up was he gave, you know, Pac the how's your father real quick before he went to, to climb up there. Well, Pac stood up a little too early and now he's got to stand there for 10, 15 seconds and wait for this fucking move that barely fucking clips him. Whereas, in later in a match, when these two old people are outside the ring, he wallops one of them with a blunt object. It's believable the guy lays on the ground for 20 seconds. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. That's where the storytelling is lost in this style of match, and that's why I was not interested until he did the crazy storytelling aspect of ripping off his mask and throwing it and being like, eat it. What are you going to do about it? I'm fucking smarter yeah. than you. That was it. That was the only moment of that match that had any storytelling to me. Other than, like you said, there was a few heel, heel moves in there that I did kind of forget about with that. With, right. But. Well, yeah. And so that the, the part of the match that I enjoyed was that, hey, the Young Bucks are now fully invested into this evil, you know, heel type persona. So that was the story advancement for their character. Pac and Ray Phoenix didn't have any story advancements. They were just trying to win the tag team championships. But because there was no apex or no, you know, mountaintop type of moment where this match meant so much, I knew that the Young Bucks were going to win. Now, if you're a more, you know, newer viewer to, to pro wrestling, maybe you thought a couple of those false finishes, Ray Phoenix or Pac was going to win. But if you're listening to this podcast, you've watched pro wrestling long enough to know that the Young Bucks were going to win. And as great as it was match as it was with the moves and all of that, we could have cut this shorter and had the, the Young Bucks do all those heel things like the, you know, heel hot tag. And then when he spiked Ray Phoenix on his head and said, like, that motherfucker just hit his head. I'm paraphrasing here. Or Ray Phoenix gets his uh, mask taken off. We could have done that in 10 minutes. We didn't need the 20 minutes. So as good of a match as it was, I was uninvested because I knew the Bucks were going to win. So. Anyhow, let's move on. After this, I got so excited. Tim, oh my God, I almost called you and said, are you fucking ready? Are you fucking ready, Tim? Because backstage, we had Alex Marvez 
with the Dark Order and Hangman Adam Page. And Alex Marvez says, hey, Hangman, you're the number one contender. And Hangman just completely sidesteps that question, goes right into uh, guns and poses. Isn't this cool? Look at that guy. And leaves the interview. Oh, Tim, we're starting it. Yeah. We're uh, starting that was a it, slick Tim. Move. And I like it. He's like, he's like, yeah, he's they're gonna go get he's going to go get Southwestern egg rolls, <laughs> which was a nice touch. Yeah. Um, well, I like that he asked him the question too, and he like took a big old drink to pause, right? And he like saved some time. Yeah, that was good stuff. And then God, guns and poses. Doing his uh oh. know, his, his training. Oh gosh. I, you know, we have been hot and cold on dark, or, or excuse me, the dark order for a few weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Early on, uh, pre the uh, tragedy, we didn't know really what they were going through. Now, post tragedy, they've kind of leaned into being the fun dorks. And this was just perfect for what their characters are. Just the look at him. He's getting better. Yeah, I'm getting better. But where I got so excited was. We've already planted the seeds with Hangman becoming who he needs to be to overtake Kenny Omega. I hope, again, fingers crossed here, fingers crossed here. But I was so excited that we have pulled the trigger. Again, AEW does nuance better than any promotion right now in pro wrestling. And so we've started it. And I am so excited to see where this goes. Because this wasn't Hangman saying, I am the number one contender. Kenny Omega, 1980s promo style. I'm coming after you. It was, hey, I got to go. And where does that lead us? I am on this train. Take me to whatever pay-per-view you want to have this payoff for. I am all in. Cannot wait. I'm excited. Cannot wait. All right. So we'll pause on that for right now. You said you can't After, wait. Yeah, I cannot <laughs> wait. We got, but we got to wait. Unfortunately, yeah. time, time is a human construct. Mm. Unfortunately, I have to wait till next Wednesday to see where this advances. But after that, we had Marvez again, talking uh, in a backstage promo this time with the inner circle and Mike Tyson. And then this is where Mike Tyson said, Hey, Chris Jericho, like we're cool now. This cool. happened before the, uh, Jericho hardwood. I thought this was after that. No, this was the oh. backstage interview where uh, Jericho's like, I'm ready for the match. And Mike Tyson said, oh, right. hey, yeah, right. You're not above yeah. me blasting you with this right hand. Yep. Again, I like here's this. Tyson doing a good job here. Jericho selling a good read. Like, finally, just like, hey, so I just called him. Like, hey, fuck it. Right? Like, you know, we don't necessarily like each other. But listen, I understand. You're a badass. <laughs> like, you know, I need some help. So. Well, yeah, it was Jericho saying, hey, I realize – uh, the shortcomings I have, I'm starting to make amends with those people. One of the first people that came to mind was this guy right here, Mike Tyson. And to Mike Tyson's credit, he said, thank you so much, but don't act like your phone call is going to make me impartial towards you. I'm going to call it right down the middle. So if you or any of your buddies get out of line, you can catch five across your lip with this right hand. So I like that. It was Mike Tyson saying, Might not ever wake hey, up from that. Right. Still yeah, to I'll this day. You- yeah, I'll put your dick in the dirt with this right hand. You, you won't day. fuck around with it. You might here. forget your wife's name. Mike yeah. Tyson hits you. You know what I'm saying? So then after that, we get back into in-ring action. This is where we got Red Velvet taking mm. on Jade Cargill. 
Jade Cargill. Mm. Let me just go on a quick monologue here before I get your opinion. Mm -hmm. Jade Cargill is so fucking captivating. I don't know what it is. I can't tell you why I'm so intrigued. But when you say Jade Cargill is going to be an in-ring action, I'm going to watch it. Now, I'm not saying it's to this level. I'm not saying it's to all-time great. But it feels a lot like Goldberg, where it's a physical specimen going to walk into a ring and do things that maybe I've never seen before or something that I have seen before but is going to be so impressive. Do you remember American Gladiators? That's what she feels like when she, like, hits that stage and you're just like, geez, she just outsizes everybody, even even the men in the room. Like, you're well, just it, like it's, well yeah. yeah, the size is mm-hmm. impressive. And we've seen women with size before in pro wrestling. Sure. Nicole Bass. But she China. also has a swagger and a charisma of, that's like, the coolest the person in the room, too. And yeah. that's the part where I'm intrigued is, yeah, the size is – just like a China from, you know, the Attitude Era in WWE. But that swagger of like, and then I'm going to steal your man because I can. And it's like, well, fuck. Yeah, she's a force to be reckoned with as she gets better, and she's only gotten better every time. We've seen her both with promos, both with with in-ring action. Um, And this match, Tom, was a better, more compelling, more captivating story than the Young Bucks versus the Death Triangle. A hundred percent agree. Yep. This and there's is more. Where, I'll tell you more matches tonight that yeah. also fit that description, but this is the first one. But this is the story where we're getting a blow-off between a baby face in Red Velvet and an upstart heel in Jade Cargill, and where do we go? The story is intriguing because I don't know where it's going to go. Just as I mentioned with the start of the show, we got the promo from the Young Bucks, so... A to B to C would tell you the Young Bucks are going to retain their tag team championships. In this match, I couldn't tell you before it happened, if you were to say, hey, if you have 20 bucks that you never want to see again, who are you putting your money on? I wouldn't tell you I'm confident in either lady winning because I don't know where the story is going. So with that already set, I'm interested in the outcome. Now, the action was great and it was really fun. But because of the story told going into the match, I'm now more emotionally invested. Mm-hmm. I like that. I agree. But so we get Jade Cargill gets the victory. Uh, it looks like she has now put Red Velvet in the back of her rearview mirror. Credit to Red Velvet, though. I, I am talking a lot about Jade Cargill. Red Velvet is another person that I even said this again on on our Twitter at Table Show here. You know, the two feuds that are defining AEW's women's division right now is Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker and Red Velvet and Jade Cargill. And those are two feuds you can build pillars on that says our women's division is now something that isn't a weak point in our promotion. You know, as we've said for many weeks, the women's division is kind of right. The Achilles heel. But let's go into next week what we already have kind of ready-made for us here we still have nyla rose that is you know the native beast that you could just plug and play at any point and that's going to be captivating television you now have red velvet jade cargill tay conti the champion sheeta i haven't even mentioned thunder rosa or Britt baker those are seven women right there that you can put on your television and someone's going to be intrigued or 
to be honest with you, a lot of people are intrigued. It's like the cast and, of Glow. I mean, that's and I haven't even got into their career. international uh, yep. talent over in Japan who hasn't been able to come over because of COVID restrictions. So, like, I don't think the women's division is that Achilles heel that we've always said, like, AEW does so good except for the women's division. I don't think you can say that anymore. Yeah, probably not. All right, so then after Jade Car- Cargill gets the victory, we had Tony Schiavone backstage with Britt Baker, and Britt Baker gave you the breakdown of the rankings for AEW's women's division, and she said, hey, look, Red Velvet, she just lost, so fuck that bitch. I'm still winning. You're going to see me on like, Elevation. I got two more wins than her. Yeah, like, and you're going to see I'm me on Elevation this Monday, which is a good plug to get you invested into Monday's show on YouTube. And I'm going to get a victory there. So in no time flat, your DMD is going to be getting the number one contender spot. I thought this was great, especially right out of that women's match. You get Britt Baker to say, like, that was cool, but don't forget this lady here. I know heel versus heel is very difficult to do, especially in 2021. But a Jade Cargill-Britt Baker match I'm not saying we should do it next oh, yeah. week, but I'm not saying we shouldn't do it ever because that's yeah. something I'm interested. Well, in. you need it. I would. You'd want to do it while she still has Reba Rebel with her. Um, you know what I mean? Because you're gonna have that fighting from underneath thing on her mm-hmm. aspect of it. But that could be a way to turn the DMD face when need be. Yeah, whenever you're ready to say, "Hey, our DMD is gonna be the champ," and then we're gonna make her the baby face. Uh, face of the uh, women's division. Yeah, I think Jade Cargill is like, all right, then let me turn her baby face because I'll give her a little how's your mother to the gut and we'll see what happens here. Speaking of how's your fathers, we got Anthony Agogo making his in-ring de- debut against Cole Carter. He gave him old pit shitter to the stomach there. Yeah. That's quick work for Anthony Agogo. Match. Yeah, what did you think of Anthony Ogogo? Are you interested? Uh, I am interested. He, you know, like you, you said he's a world-renowned athlete, so Mm -hmm. Olympic uh, medalist. He seems like he kind of gets the idea of the showmanship and the swagger. So, could be the the sky's the limit for this guy. It seems like again from this factory faction that we're going to call him. And again, I think the with qualifying transaction marshal. Yeah, and again, yeah. I think the fuckwads is a better name for him. But hey, we'll go with the factory. That's AEW's decision. Uh, you would, yeah. you should be consulting with us. But you know, we'll, well listen, let this court one pass. Marshall is a he's a smart guy. We know that he he's is. a good friend of it. We're gonna get you on, buddy. Next time, sorry. Next time we'll get you. Um, he knows what he's doing. So. Hey, and I didn't mention this, but Anthony Agogo versus Cole Carter. Anthony Agogo accompanied by the angry bowler, Quick Trip Marshall. Uh, looking like he couldn't pick up that seven ten split with that mm-hmm. fucking bowling shirt that he had on there. Looking like he was getting ready to play uh, Paul Blart's little brother in the third uh, Paul Blart movie. Yeah, you know, and if How he many, wasn't on there, the, is there three of those already? Sure, let's say it. we don't fact check here. Like uh, if he seven. wasn't bowling, I for sure would think he was at least playing bags or a game of pickleball because he was ready for some type of activity that involved the geriatric community. But very happy to see Anthony Agogo get that victory. And then after that match, we got a video package from Miro. And Miro says, hey, Kip, we lost the uh, arcade hierarchy, and that stinks. Haven't heard from you, pal. And uh, what the hell? And I'm going about to go on a rampage, so you're either with me or you're not. This is fun. I'm excited to get Miro away from 
Sabian and Ford, not because they're bad, but just because it it was weird that that's how we got introduced to Miro was with these people also, and he's kind of there to support their storyline, which is weird, right? This guy, I think we expected when he showed up somewhere was going to be, you know, near the top, and then all of a sudden was just in this thing. It was it was interesting. Yeah, I think it was slowest play for a biggest signee that AEW's done so far. Where you know you look at other signees like Sting or Christian Cage, uh, and they've went right to the top, or John Moxley, for example, and they went right to the top with a you know main event or mid upper tier main event story, and you had Miro kind of curtain jerker mid card status, even though they did get that main event with the anarchy, uh, arcade anarchy story. Um, but yeah, now we'll see where Miro goes. I'm interested to see if we get a, a payoff with this. Does Miro just say, Hey, Kip, you haven't, uh, I haven't heard from you. So fuck off. I'm gonna go do my own thing. Or do we do the Miro says, Kip still haven't heard from you starting to get mad. And now we get a Kip Sabian versus Miro match. Cause if you want to get Miro over, I think Kip Sabian being that ping pong off of the ropes is the perfect way to do it. And credit to Kip Sabian, I think he can get Miro's offense over in that type of match. Oh, I'm yeah. just interested. The selling from him on yeah. that will be intense. I'm just interested in to where, okay, so let's just hypothetically say that is where we go, right? Kip Sabian loses to Miro at fill in the blank pay per view. Where does Miro go? Does he go heavyweight championship? Does he go TNT championship? Would you be interested in, let's just say, everything stays the same, Miro versus Darby yeah, Allen? Yeah, because that would be a very similar thing, right, where Darby Allen's going to kill himself in this match, oh, but it's going to get yeah. Miro over because no matter how much you try to kill yourself, Miro will still kill you. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, that might even be the line he says. I don't know. We'll, we'll Sounds, see. Yeah. So, yeah, Miro gives us this promo saying, Kip Sabian, where are you at, homie? Then after that, we get right back into in-ring action. We get Chris Jericho versus Dak Harwood with Mike Tyson Dax. as the rings. Dax? Dax, Dax the Axe. Dax the Axe. That's what we're calling, sure. Uh, FTR1 uh, with Mike Tyson as the ringside enforcer. This was fun. It was a little clunky, yeah. but I thought it was fun. But this is a perfect use of, and I'm going to use this analogy again later in another match, but this is the perfect use of a veteran guy like Chris Jericho in this brawling style match because mm -hmm. it's going to be a slower pace. Um, it's going to hide some of those athleticism degradations, right, that we've had from age. Like, I don't know what that's about, but you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. um, and, and so I thought that was good. And, again, the storytelling is there, and the – the commentators did a good job specifically of Excalibur bringing that in where they kind of hit on like, Hey, this is the first time these guys are squaring off. Hey, it's one and oh, you know what I mean? Like this is, we're going to see more of this. This is about to get bloody, etc. Yeah. And towards the end of this match, we get some pandemonium here. We get, uh, the pinnacle and the inner circle brawling onto the outside of the ring. Uh, we get Mike Tyson. I don't know if he connected with the FTR too, but it damn near looked like he, he connected, did. But I feel like he was, you know, he didn't. He give pulled him the it whole, back, maybe. But yeah, he didn't. But FTR two sold that like a motherfucker. Credit to him. Uh, I can't remember his name. Is it Cash? Is it Axe? Is it Smash? I don't know what the fuck it is. Uh, but FTR two laid out. Dax Hardwood and and QT Marshall. Yeah, QT Marshall getting laid out here by Mike right? Tyson. Maybe was sure. 
No. Hey. Wasn't him. You know, we're going to go with that because, again, we don't fact check here. Yeah. But Chris Jericho gets the victory using the Judas effect. So 1-0 in the war between Inner Circle and the Pinnacle. Post-match, we did have, I thought, maybe unnecessary. Again, TV time is 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 so valuable. I don't think that this was really needed. But we did get uh, Chris Jericho saying that Mike Tyson is now an honorary member, or whatever he said, of yeah. the inner circle. Yeah, that was for the – they're going to show that on TNT and USA and Sports Illustrated, and then they'll be like, oh, it'll be a little video in a, in a thing that shows up on your Facebook feed and – yeah. So and you'll see it right, you know. Right uh right, right there. there. Right there. I don't know where we're at, but right there. I don't know where we're going either. Watch us on YouTube. If you're only listening to the audio podcast, you kinda suck. You should check us out, youtube.com slash Spanish announce tube. And by the way, if you guys want to support the show, we've got many ways. We've got some merch up. You can go to SpanishAnnounceTable.net. You can buy some merch on there with the uh, with the shop link. You can donate via PayPal. There's a link up there also. A big way you can support us is by subscribing on the YouTube. Even if you don't really want to watch the YouTube, if you're a podcast listener, it'll help us big time if you subscribe, like a few of the videos, leave a comment here or there. Like That helps us on the algorithm thing. That's going to be a big help as well. If you just play it in the background while you lay down and go take shit, I don't care. Uh, all that helps Lay us. Down and that's, and shit. that's yeah. I mean, don't you that's do a that? Weird one. Don't you <laughs> okay. do that? I don't Tom. lay down when Tom. I shit, but maybe I will now. Well, but with the three seashells, you've got to, you know, I don't want to look. This is a kids listen to this. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, um, so yeah, just that's a big way to help us. So check that out, uh, and then you could have seen what we were pointing at, right? Because you know, if you only hear us, you know. You're missing part of our of our beauty, and it's a lot of beauty. Hey, we didn't put all these lights here for you to fucking listen to a stream. Fucking lights! It's like God, I'm so hot. So so... let's go back to AEW Dynamite here. Backstage again, we had Alex Marvez this time talking to Kenny Omega and the Elite. Yeah, and I saw as again I was live tweeting uh, on our Twitter page at Table Show. I saw a lot of comments of. So great to see the cool elite back. And what in the fuck was this? Yeah, let me talk about this. Okay, so they're doing the right things, right? They're kind of. They're, they're, they, here's the thing. I can't shake the feeling when I watch this super elite group, uh, the young bullet buck brothers club thing, right? Of the, the, I can't shake the feeling I always get. And that is, this is a bunch of fucking dorks cosplaying is what they think cool guys are supposed to be mm-hmm. and the only one that i like at all this is don callis and i'm gonna give a massive credit for the callus kick i'm a fan oh um, uh, the callus kick well that looked like sweet shin music mm-hmm. yeah, that it looked like got, yeah it didn't hey, look like you got Callis anything... is kicking you he's kicking you below the belt yeah. brother well yeah he ain't getting above that belt line because i don't right. think his leg can get yeah, that high callus man you ain't got to kick like, you that high he pays people to do that I agree with you. This was unchecked nerds thinking that they were cool. This is when, if they're in any other promotion, namely WWE, they're looking at this segment. We're like, we're not fucking airing this. Let's redo the tape. And it's mainly, again, for me, the Young Bucks. I get what we're trying to do here. If we're in kayfabe land, right? Air quotes kayfabe. And again, if you're watching it on YouTube, you're seeing me do the air quotes here that they weren't supposed to be liked. However, there's cool heat 
And when I say cool heat, I'm thinking of the Young Bucks friend over in WWE, Kevin Owens. Kevin Owens can do that promo and come across being a guy that I might want to be a friend, but I also fucking hate. There's another guy in their promotion that could do that promo, and I kind of fucking hate, but also think I might want to be their friend, and his name is MJF. And MJF does it better than any of these fucking guys, so leave that shit to him. You guys just be traditional heels, in my opinion, because what you're doing is just cringeworthy. You're the king of cringe. And let me try to explain it in a logical flow, right? The Young Bucks in kayfabe land are successful because of their style of wrestling right we know they're small dudes and they're gonna go get their ass kicked if they're not bounce flip damn where are they going oh my god i don't see where they're coming from super kick oh my god right so then when you turn heel nobody's suddenly intimidated by you looking like you're flexing and bowing up because that was never what anybody was ever intimidated by if you did that i'm gonna fucking put you know what i mean like i don't i can't yeah it's got to stop. It, 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 I don't buy it. Yeah, you got to either go chicken shit heel with what you're doing with these guys as 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 heels, but if you're going to do the cool heat, as I'm calling it, you're not doing it better than MJF, who's in your own promotion, you so you got to find them, a different angle. You could leave them wishy-washy to where, like, we, we don't think they're, like, torn anymore, but, like, they try to act like they're still like, no, we're doing things for the right things, but they're sleazy and they're, they're I mean, yeah. Don Callis-like, mm-hmm. right? That'd be a little more different than the whole, like, instead of the just, like, do the, well, we just bought in. It's our friend. What are you going to do about it? It's fine, but, like, the, the like, what are you, mm, well, you know, like, that- flexing and bowing up on me, like, with your receding hairline. And don't get me wrong. I mean, like, come on. I may be sharing that with well, you. That's, but, like, yeah, that's not yeah. even it. It's just that. You know, the, the void that they're trying to fill is already filled by the pinnacle. The pinnacle is doing what they're trying to do, but in my opinion, they're doing it better. You know, you have FTR. Yeah. That is a more, like to you, like what you said, in kayfabe land, FTR is going to buff, you know, puff out their chest and say, like, you think you can fucking beat us? That's yeah, more like, believable than the to, Young yeah, Bucks. You yeah. take whatever you need. Yeah, the, FTR, you could be like, God damn it, you assholes. All right, I'm going to fight you. I might lose, but I'm going to fight you. When the Young Bucks puff out their chest, you're like, fucking dork? Okay, let's do this. <laughs> fucking, I'm not, what? All right. It's a fucking five across your lip. Like, I'm not afraid of you. So, I just think what we're doing with the super elite or whatever we're fucking calling them, you guys got to start taking a different angle because you have the pinnacle. And I know the pinnacles consumed with the inner circle, but eventually that storyline is going to end. And I'm assuming that we're going to keep the pinnacle post that feud. And so you're having two things. It's, it's essentially like in WWE when I said, what's the fucking difference between the Miz and Dolph Ziggler? Absolutely fucking nothing. Well, if you're going to continue the super elite doing what they're doing, what's the difference between the super elite and the pinnacle? Absolutely fucking nothing. And again, in my opinion, and again, this is our podcast, so we can say what we want, but the pinnacle's doing it or it's going to do it better. The pinnacle's doing it so much better that if we were grading on a curve, they would be the ones that you like lop off at the top so it doesn't like put make everybody else look bad. Yeah, I totally agree. <laughs> you know so let's I mean? get like right they're back. way yeah. better. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get back into our AW recap because again, we got so much to talk about WrestleMania recap coming up here soon. And again, Cutie Marshall, very sorry we couldn't get to you this episode. We'll definitely try to get to you next week. 
But we oh, had quality Thunder. time Marshall. God, yeah, you know, we, I feel so bad. So do I. But let's get right back into it. So we had a Thunder Rosa video package where she wants both the AEW championship and the NWA women's championship. Boss bitch. I felt like that was very interesting. It wasn't just mm-hmm. I'm zeroing in on you. I'm zeroing in on both of you. Yeah. What did you think of that? Well, yeah, that's always a good solid claim if you can sound believable when you're saying it of like, look, I'm the best. I think you guys know I'm the best. But people want to act like like they can doubt it. Well, I'm going to remove all doubt because I'm going to show you I'm not only taking this thing. I'm also taking that thing. And then there's nothing. There's no argument because I've got both the mm-hmm. things. I've got both the things. You know what I mean? That's what. Well, and so where yeah. I thought this was interesting is early in the earlier in the show, as we mentioned, Britt Baker was talking about the rankings. She did mention Thunder Rosa in this pr- promo from Thunder Rosa. No mention of Britt Baker. So maybe Thunder Rosa is trying to say, hey, that's it's in gone. the past. I'm trying to get after, you know, Serena Deeb or whoever it is. Uh, speaking of women's action, after that promo, we get right into the alien Chris Statlander taking on Amber Nova. This was essentially a squash match, but it was good to see the alien with her best friends hanging out on AEW Dynamite. Yeah, and um, she's another one that's got, I wouldn't say as much as like Jade Cargill, but she's got some charisma about her that, Mm -hmm. you know, the fans are, for what, you know what I mean? Like, even if you can't identify it, like when she walks in, the crowd's like, yeah, this is fun. She's weird. Right. She's so, weird. Yeah. She has that thing, right? Mm-hmm. Everyone that's interesting has something to them. No one is saying like, you know, what's an interesting story. I woke up, I went to work, I ate dinner and I went to bed. I did my no podcast. one fucking cares. Yeah. <laughs> no one fucking cares about that. Nobody person. listens to this shitty show. Apparently that's what <laughs> cutie Marshall said. That's what he said. So let's get right back into it. After Chris, Stantla- Chris Statlander gets the victory. We had Dasha talking to team Taz and then team Taz says, Hey, We're going to get our fucking answer from uh, Christian Cage. But before we do, Brian Cage, not coming out. Uh, Ricky Starks, you're not coming out. He said that to Ricky Starks first. That was the fun thing. And he was like, what? And he was like, like, yeah, you're a little little hot, right? You're a little crazy right now. It's best if you stay back. He's like, fine, I agree with you. And Brian Cage's like, yeah, man, come on. You're really being a bit much. And he's like, yeah, you know what? Actually, I didn't want to say this here, but (laughs) you should stay back here, too. That was super fun. I like that. And, again, it gave more of a spotlight now to Powerhouse Hobbs, Hook, which. Well, let's get right into it. So, after the commercial break, Christian Cage comes out with Tony Schiavone. Christian Cage, uh, I thought was kind of cool, mentioned that I don't think he's ever been interviewed by Tony Schiavone before, which is kind of interesting. Two worlds colliding here on AEW Dynamite. But before he could even get that uh, full answer out of his mouth. We had Team Taz interrupt and say, Christian Cage, time to put up or shut up. And Christian Cage says, I'm out. I'm not doing this. I liked how I liked how Christian Cage said, I'm glad that I'm telling you this while you're on the stairs because oh, that we're at eye level. Taz, being just the bitter old man, says, hey, if I had my wallet uh, with all the money in it, I would be 10 times the size of you. Christian Cage immediately says, oh, all that bingo hall money? Yeah. And just like, motherfucker. Oh, I love how Taz, though, he's like, yeah, other money. Other money, yeah, too. Other money. <laughs> other money, motherfucker. I, I got other money. Which I he does. Taz, Taz yeah. probably has more money than Christian does. If I had to guess, well, man. yeah, but With I mean. With his CBS it, money and all that shit? It's yeah. just interesting to see these two, you know, legends. And I yeah. don't necessarily need to use air quotes. But what I'm saying is just legends of pro wrestling kind of talking bad about each yeah. other. It leads right into powerhouse Hobbs saying hey christian cage you said no 
Now I got to beat your ass. I got to do this, pal. Yeah. And you're going to about to get your ass whipped. about to get powerhoused. And I like this. This is a oh, great yeah. use of a talent that you're aware of if you're a casual fan in Christian Cage and then saying, who the fuck is that other guy beating his ass? Well, and Taz is there. It was intimate. And then they're talking about like Taz's son, but all you keep seeing is this powerhouse Hobbs powerhousing. Yeah. Thought it was great. I thought this was the perfect use of the instead face. of just what's that step squishing his face on the steps. Oh, yeah. It was not. Ugh. It was not a very comfortable beating, mm -hmm. if that can even be a, a term here. It was very like uncomfortable violence where there was moments where, all right, like I get we're pro wrestling here, but are you do you really have a beef with Christian Cage? Because you're doing things to him right now that I don't know was in the script. But I kind of like it, Powerhouse Hobbs. Mm -hmm. So next week, supposed to rip his nipple off. Was that? I did mean, you guys cover that in the you, bank? Did you go over there? I don't know. But next week, we're getting Powerhouse Hobbs versus Christian Cage. <laughs> this is where I think it's going to be interesting to say where we go. If Christian just gets an easy squash-like match out of Powerhouse Hobbs, well, then we didn't do much. But if Powerhouse Hobbs can win by disqualification. Yeah. Now we got. I wonder if this with. isn't um, part of a little bit of real life comes to the storylines where Christian Cage is helping these guys with Team Taz backstage work a little bit, going over some storytelling stuff, and they're going to put on a decent match here. But I bet Christian Cage still goes over. And you know, like, yeah, we'll see. You know, unless I, there's like a schmas finish, and they, you know, I mean, they give him the old "How's your father?" Show where the well, states and that's are. Where that's where I think we got some interest if we want to go down that road is does Brian how or does Brian house does Brian cage or does Ricky Starks come out and say, Hey, powerhouse, don't you need some help? And he's like, no, I don't fucking need your help. And then that costs him the match. And now we got some more turmoil in team Taz. So I'm interested in that for next week, but let's move right into the main event of a W dynamite for the TNT championship. We've got champion Darby Allen taking on, Matt Hardy, this was a fucking match, Tim. I tell you what. was also a more captivating and more enthralling story than the Young Bucks versus fucking Death Triangle. Ray Phoenix. Yeah. Yep. And I'm, I got four reasons as to, as to why this was a damn good match, right? All right, let's hear so it. So a guy like Matt Hardy with his career and his accolades is always going to be believable in that, like, contending for the mid-card title, right? Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. the floor. For a guy, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like Matt Hardy. Uh, as I said with Jericho, this more brawling style thing fits it perfectly, right? Like we're not seeing Matt Hardy trying to run the ropes. Uh, you know what I mean? Like Chase Darby Allen doing a bunch of over the behind the back, over behind the back, you know, mm -hmm. nut grab things, right? Doing all of that. Um, it helps then because it's that brawling style match, the hardcore match, it then helps build the toughness credibility of the person that veteran's helping, which here was Darby Allen. And as they did with the Dax Harwood, this is not rando, right? They've got somebody who's kind of up and coming. Can You know what I mean? This cred's going to go to good use. This seems like somebody they're going to keep spotlighting. It's not going to mm -hmm. be Sean Spears gets a, you know, uh, or not Sean Spears, uh, uh, Scorpio Sky gets a brass ring. And then, oops, we forgot about that. So I liked a, a lot of this. Yeah. Well, let's go right down into that moment here where uh, we get some pandemonium where the Dark Order tries to fend off the Matt Hardy family office or whatever we're calling them. Sting also comes out. Sting starts to take two members, I believe, of both private party mm -hmm. and is going to do a Scorpion death drop. We get Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page coming out to say, oh, this is right where we're going to take out Sting. And Lance Archer 
walks out and says, Hey, Sting, uh, you about got fucked up, but guess who's your pal? Me. This guy who has two thumbs and just saved your ass. Me. And he gives a finisher to one of the private party guys, and Sting looks perplexed like, Huh? And yeah. then we leave with that. What do you think about that little storyline? So, I liked it. However, it was a bit distracting as it became a circus for the match because the match is still going on. Here's where I think a piece of advice to wrestling folks is that this doesn't always have to happen out here in the ring, out here in the arena area. This could have been you've got a hardcore match where we know going into this, when we're booking this match, there's going to be some rest holds, right? There's going to be some down spots. Cut to the picture and picture camera. You've got private party watching on the monitor, and they're like, F this, let's go kick this eighth grader's ass. And as they start to walk off, Daddy Darby's emerging from the shadows there, Sting, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And he's like, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm about to give him the How's Your Father. And then Lance Archer shows up, and he's like, mm -hmm. I got it. And he gives them, you know, shows them where the 50 states are. And then we cut back right into the, you know what I mean? They're getting back up, ready to go back into the action in the ring. I agree. I think, yeah, because Matt Hardy and Darby Allen were running around everywhere, it was a little distracting of like, okay, but now I'm supposed to pay attention to in the ring, even though the match is, you know, stage left or it's wherever going it on was. Right now, yeah. yeah. Um, Matt Hardy's even like yelling as he's trying to do a movie. He's like, fuck you, Sting. Like, I get you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the finish comes with Darby Allen doing a coffin drop through the announce table. First time, I believe, off the top of my head that the announce table has been used in AEW. Uh, next time needs to be the Spanish announce table. AEW, I know you're listening. Cutie Marshall, uh, send that up to Tony Khan. Yeah, look, we'll cut a good deal on royalties. We will easily cut a good deal on royalties. Mm -hmm. Uh, just give us an interview with, uh, you know, one of your guys could be cutie Marshall could be Eddie Kingston. Who knows? But Darby Allen retains his TNT championship. I thought this was a good building block for Darby Allen. This was another, Hey, I've got another foe in the rear view mirror. Who's next. I'm ready for whoever it is. Uh, because Matt Hardy did have a good storyline with Darby Allen, kind of trying to take him out. And Darby Allen was over to, uh, was able to overcome and that's how we ended AEW Dynamite. So, Tim, what did you think overall as the episode happened? Good. I thought there was lots of good storytelling in here. Um, even with the Young Buck stuff we don't like, I mean, they're attempting to tell story here. So, I, I, I liked the majority of the show. I don't think there was anything that I was really like, yeah, this was bad. I wish they would have you know, done a whole lot different. Yeah. For the standards that AEW Dynamite has set, I thought this was on par with every other episodes that they've done i don't think that this is going to be a lasting memory type of episode where you know thunder rosa took on Britt baker and the lights out match anything of that realm but i did think this was another match that if you're a darby allen fan or maybe if you're on the fence on darby allen you're going to be sold on okay this is the tnt champ so i thought it was a very good episode again Christian Cage getting taken out by a young up-and-comer by uh, Powerhouse Hobbs, that that was a good move. The Young Bucks finally going into a full heel mode, I thought, was very good as well. Even though, again, you didn't explain why the tassels being cut was so important. And that, that's splitting hairs, to be honest with you. It's splitting hairs, but again, as a viewer of only AEW Dynamite, I don't understand what the tassels mean to the Young Bucks. Do a little bit better explaining that. But overall, as an episode, thought it was really good. Can't be one of my favorites because it didn't have Eddie Kingston, so that's just off top. Just going to say that. Uh, but again, another solid episode of AEW Dynamite. 
Well, then we will kick it over to another big story that happened this week. And it's interesting the turn that this event has taken. This used to be, this would have been everything we led with was mm-hmm. the review of this event. Mm-hmm. And I feel like we're not even going to touch on everything in this event now because it's just, it's interesting. Again, I say again, we talked about this off air before we started recording, but it's not even that the show was bad per se. No, it was not. Yeah. It just, and I, I took some heat on Twitter, which I'm totally fine with, uh, for some of my comments. Never. Right? Me getting into some controversy or in a spat with someone who listens to the podcast, which, again, thank you for listening to the podcast. Who would have thought? However, I thought of this event, which is WrestleMania, I thought it was, I thought the best way to describe the overall WrestleMania experience was ordinary. I didn't think it was bad. I didn't think anything about the show was bad, except for the women's tag team title matches. The uh, one match on night one to get the tag team number one contender, and then the tag team championship match itself on night two. Get the fuck out of here. I didn't need either one of those. Outside of that, though, it was fine. So, an interesting beginnings because all right here we are so first live crowd in over a year first mm-hmm. you know live crowd wrestlemania in over a year and we get the rain delay so it's just i mean it's laughable but they're cutting good promos they're killing time very good promos yeah. and those yeah. were not scripted so right. like mm-hmm. as a as we're breaking kayfabe here let's let's go down that avenue let's do it WWE. yeah um and you know it then we move right into what you said if bobby lashley and drew mcintyre kicks off the show then Drew McIntyre wins, and you were wrong on that. I was totally wrong on it. I did not expect that. I thought that was uh, a good swerve. Mm-hmm. You know, again, the the conventional wisdom I thought was going to be because we're kicking it off, Drew McIntyre gets the cheers from the fans. We didn't get that. That was interesting. It got me more intrigued for the rest of the night. However, the match itself, fine. It was not bad. Nothing was like, oh, did you remember the spot where they messed up well, here or the, you know, storyline, you know, irregularity here? None of that. I feel but, like, too, that it was a good call on the finish because it's a unique way to have McIntyre lose clean in mm-hmm. that Bobby Lashley beat him, mm-hmm. but he didn't give up. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He still lost, but he didn't necessarily get pinned, but it was just that, like, Bobby Lashley's so massive when he gets that hurt lock on and so powerful, yeah. mm-hmm. it doesn't matter who you are. This could be his Hogan slam, right, as he's trying to – they could turn something as simple as breaking a full Nelson into a, a anxious event. Well, and, you know, if you follow the storyline – It's a full line, Nelson, right? Like, that's all it yeah. is. Well, and if you follow the storyline of Bobby Lashley, the way he got over way back in his first run is he broke the master lock from Chris Masters, full circle. Bobby Lashley now has the full Nelson, which he's calling the hurt lock, and Drew McIntyre at WrestleMania Backlash, which is just the laziest fucking name of all time. We're calling it WrestleMania Backlash. You it know was why backlash? Why wouldn't we do what? So you they know can why market the name WrestleMania again? Yes. Month? So that if you're on the Peacock Network and you don't really follow WWE, but you see WrestleMania again and you're familiar with that backlash. name, you're gonna see what happens. It's again the lowest common denominator for your marketing 
But that point aside, we'll get to that in a couple weeks. I think, though, with this now, because let's fast forward to Monday Night Raw, Drew McIntyre wins a triple threat to then become the number one contender to face Bobby Lashley at WrestleMania Backlash. This has to be an I quit match, right? The mm. the thing has to be Bob, or Bobby Lashley beat Drew McIntyre, but he didn't really beat him because Drew didn't quit. So you have to make him say quit to then have the blow off to this feud, right? I mean, isn't that where you think this is going to go? That would make sense. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Again, a fine match at WrestleMania. Kudos to them. Cesaro, Seth Rollins. I think we knew where this was going. It kind of fit the bill. I mean, the swing, the interesting kind of aspect of they did a swing, but not a swing, right? Yeah. yeah, Zazzaro. Zazzaro. Love Uh, Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins. His was one of the best, those promos we were talking about Uh before the thing. He's going to start calling people by the wrong, because he was like, Mike, it's Mike, right? And he's like, it's Kevin. He's like, Kevin, yes. And then when he got mad, he went back to Mike. He was like, Mike, yeah. Mike. <laughs> he's like, it's Kevin. <laughs> well, and it. this, yeah, because then if you if you're creating the new wrinkle in the Seth Rollins holier than thou, and it doesn't become this like I am a god, worship me, and it becomes more of like everything's great. Hey, look at you there, face. Look at you there, face. We can get into some more fun. With this, with the Seth Rollins character, yeah, That's remember where when I he like... was with the Authority, but yet like he's dancing with the New Day, like when he had yeah. that little like comedic tinge to that character, right? And he could be like, no, stop it, right? Like kind of chip back in, like I like that. Seth yeah, Rollins. and I think that's where we can go because again, that holier than thou, here are my disciples or disciple in the case of uh, whoever that guy was, uh, nameless face who didn't get released, but here we are. Mm. I am Seth Rollins. Da 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 da. If we get away from that and just be like, hey, every time I go out, I won. It's like you lost. But, nope, didn't lose. I won. But here's the issue. he They intended that to help put over Cesaro, and I don't know that it's going to do that much for it because there's not a story waiting in the wings for Cesaro that I'm aware of. That's true. The waiting in the wings post-WrestleMania, again, we record this on a Thursday night. So Cesaro we don't know had a big match at WrestleMania Backlash? We don't know. You know, SmackDown might tell us that tomorrow night. Again, we're recording this on a Thursday night, so we shall see. But as of this recording, yeah, Cesaro got a nice victory. But what's the what's the lead? Because yeah. again, we've seen this before, especially from Cesaro. He wins the Andre the Giant Battle Royal, whatever it's called, and he gets Paul Heyman, and that leads to fucking nothing. So take two. Let's hope something happens yeah. here exceeding my expectations in the next match was Braun Strowman defeating Shane McMahon in the steel cage match. Ah, come on. What this sucks. Well, my expectations were very, very low. So, I mean, it kind of exceeded my expectations in that, like, that was a neat wrinkle where he, you know, just fuck it. I'll rip the thing off and pull your ass back in here. You're fine. Uh, it was fine again. Yeah. Ordinary. This felt like if you did this at any pay per view other than WrestleMania, I think what they sure. did. I think what they did was they hit the mark that WWE really wanted them to do. People tuning in for the first time on the Peacock or the casual mm-hmm. people who don't ever view that match was like, Jesus Christ, look at this big monster mm-hmm. pulling the shaming man. I know who that is, ripping him through the cage. And okay, you know. Hey, can we talk about this real quick? Yeah. How many times nope. does Shane McMahon nope. have to? Nope. Can't talk about it. Well, hold on. Here you go. Well, I'm going to talk about it anyhow. <laughs> okay. Right. How many times does Shane McMahon have to risk his life for Vince McMahon's pr- approval? What? How, how many times do you think that a is? A lot. Probably it's at least seven times a year. 
Are we gonna do at least ten more WrestleManias where Shane has to jump off of something? At least that's the under. Good night. I don't think that. I think we need to go into that storyline. That's the interesting storyline of Shane McMahon. Is hey father, do you see what I do for your company? I took on Braun Strowman in a cage match. I took on Undertaker at Hell in the Cell. I took on Kevin Owens in a Hell in the Cell, and you still don't appreciate me. That is the interesting story. He always can bring up that double tweet side by side of where he's where Vince McMahon is like congratulating Triple H and acting like he's the greatest thing that's ever walked earth. He's like to his passion, his dedication, his whatever, right? And then the next one is Happy birthday, Shane McMahon. <laughs> it's like all the tweets says like you know, you can bring that up and be like, You never appreciated me and I've killed myself for you. Yeah. That's the interesting story. Yeah. We're not gonna tell it. Yeah, we're not that's gonna tell it. Vince doesn't want to be on TV much anymore, I don't think. I think well, he, nowadays he only goes on when he's Vince. on. Yeah. It, it could be between be. Stephanie and Triple H. Yeah. It he could, could say, easily. like, you guys stole this out from under me. And you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I, I I still kill myself for you guys. Why don't you love me? Yeah. Right? That's all yep, it could be. There it is. Why don't you love me? Mm-hmm. I think that's a show title. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you love me? All right. Um, all right. What happened after that? This great WrestleMania that we had. Oh, Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks. Tom? Hey, again, I, I, am, I am not saying that this was a bad match. In the slightest, they did very well. But much like how I said about the Young Bucks versus Death Triangle, when you give me no expectations leading to the match, I don't really give a fuck. And in this case, I didn't really give a fuck. And for what the history it was that made, that it w- that was made at WrestleMania with two African American women main eventing a WrestleMania, I am all for that. I am a hundred percent, all hundred percent, everything you need there. I'm with you. But two things. One, the story didn't warrant a WrestleMania main event, in my opinion. That story sucked. Can they get along? We've seen that nine million times. It was tired, played out. And two, I said this on Twitter, and I'll say it here on the podcast. Call me old-fashioned, but I'd rather my wrestlers cry after the fucking match because if you cry before it in kayfabe world, I don't think you really want to fucking fight each other. So maybe hold your shit until you're done because if this is real acting and real movies, we're calling take two. So get your shit together and fucking be professionals. Again, the match was fine. Everything was cool. I'm not shitting on the in-ring action, but get your shit together. Stop fucking crying and expecting me to be applauding. I care about... I don't give a fuck. Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair want to fight each other over a championship. I don't know what the real names are. Let's just say it is Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair. But let's say those real people, I don't give a fuck about them. I'm watching a TV show. If it's who shot JR and the before the fucking person who shot JR goes like, this is a big moment for me because now I'm going to get over. And they fucking cry yeah, before they shoot the gun. There's a who moment, gives a fuck? It's, there's, it's even different if there's a moment like that mid-match when the match is going on and, and it is awesome, right? Like, And you go, all right, all right. You know yeah, what but mean? nothing but like, happened. Right. Like, you guys get like... What, you guys, what I, I get what you're saying, right? Like, I get what you're saying. Like, it's first time that we're celebrating, many, and that's a huge and achievement, that's... and I can't believe I'm here, and that's great. But, like, the character, right, I, I don't believe you simultaneously are game ready, ready to knock a motherfucker out, and are overwhelmed by the emotion of your accomplishment. 
That, yes, 100% agree. And also, that wasn't the fucking story you told me leading to WrestleMania. If you would have said, going into WrestleMania, the go-home show to SmackDown, oh my God, you have to tune in. It's going to be the the first two African-American women fighting for the women's championship. This has to be, this is a must-see moment. If you would have told me that storyline in kayfabe world, you the can cry better, right? You're right. Yeah, you can cry a little bit. You almost should. When you, yeah, but when you just tell me a fucking storyline of can they coexist? I'm better than you, and then we get to it, and they're fucking bawling. Get the fuck out of here. That's not. You know who didn't fucking cry on night two? Edge. You know who didn't fucking cry on night two? Roman Reigns. You know who didn't fucking cry on night two? Rhea Ripley. So get your fucking shit together. I'm, I I don't think that that's a moment. I think that's a botch when you fucking get all emotional. Because, again, what if you fucked up every single move? What if that match was the shit? Mm-hmm. Then is the crime warranted? Yeah, Absolutely like fucking we, not. Yeah, right. So I just, again, the match was fine. There are, there are more matches from Sasha Banks' catalog that were better than that. In Bianca Belair's short career, that is probably her best career. But, again... As she progresses, there's probably going to be better matches than that. So stop, you internet dorks, wanting to watch something and thinking it's historic because you fucking viewed it. It was ordinary. It was fine. It was a thumbs up. It was a move to move to the next show. It wasn't a classic. Yeah. Yeah, and we went into a kind of a deep dive on why two nights suck. So we don't need to do that again. We did that yeah. last week if you want to go right, listen. Yeah, yeah. But... I still understand what you're saying. Like that, you, we tried the WrestleMania as an eight-hour event, and that sucked too. But like, you had two four hours. Can we get like a one five-hour where we took the best mm-hmm. of these two? I can handle a five-hour. I think you know what I mean. Like WrestleMania. You know what I mean. Like it sounds like you know what I mean. Like if you went six to eleven, I get it. You know what I mean. Like you're the biggest company with three brands, right? Mm-hmm. So, sure, right. But uh, you know, like this was. You know, it's just uh, there was a lot of filler. There was a lot of filler that didn't need to be on your A plus show, which is WrestleMania. You didn't even cover the fucking women's uh, number one contender match because it didn't need to be on there. Uh, Yeah, that's true. Uh, All right. So the next night rolls around and we've got Randy Orton and the Fiend, which was weird. Uh, A box like structure as Michael Cole (laughs) described it, was, it. it was a, uh, maybe they can't say jack in the box it's probably maybe but it's a maybe. fucking box you can say box uh yeah. this was okay it Here's wasn't a box like structure it was a box you jackass <laughs> yeah this is what i'll say about that it was not great however everything leading up to the match i'm in the fucking entrance for randy orton where he poked fun at mandy Rhodes. Uh, Mandy Rose the night before where he acts like he's going to slip. I thought that was fun, even though he's going into a match where he just burned someone alive and it's a crazy death figure, whatever, but he's Randy Orton. He can get away with it. And then uh, Alexa Bliss doing the Jack in the Box thing. And then you see Bray Wyatt go through that transformation and then coming out of the fucking Jack in the Box. Thought it was cool. Then he does the big clothesline. After the clothesline, you fucking lost me. You're still looking like two rotisserie chickens fighting in a fucking uh, warmer. Don't like that. Get rid of the red light. And you didn't explain that Alexa Bliss cost Bray Wyatt the match. That's what I didn't get. 
Yeah. Well, and I like that. I had been wondering, too, as I said, is Bray Wyatt not actually here? And so I was trying to, like, measure, is this actually Bray Wyatt? And then I was like, well, maybe if they got the red lights, right? And then I saw online, like, everybody was saying, that was Bo Dallas, that was Bo Dallas. Well, they just fired Bo Dallas, so I don't know if that <laughs> was really him or not. Um, I, Yeah, man, I – uh, this fiend thing has gotten out of hand and here's what's going on is we like the character and i'd say we mm-hmm. even like the iterations that he's taken it but they mm-hmm. have gone too far too rapid succession with no real stories in the interim like the mm-hmm. same story has led us down three or four different iterations of the fiend and it's just weird now like i can't keep track of it all well and with this match specifically what what my biggest beef was is alexa bliss is mascara is running from her fucking forehead or whatever the fuck you want to say that is right Mm -hmm. and okay so bray wyatt is captivated by what is happening to alexa bliss but that still doesn't to me as a viewer when i watched it in real time i didn't understand that was alexa bliss turning her back on the fiend right well yeah that's what i mean like at, at one point it just looked like something was happening to her now on raw she kind of explains that but not the night of, and that's why right. you got the booze, because after after she does the mascara, the black stuff from her face, or whatever it was, and then Bray Wyatt takes one RKO and loses, well, whatever, right? Time purposes, I'm actually okay with it, but again, one RKO. Mm, Christian kicked out of more, but whatever. Um, Bray Wyatt loses. That's then where you should have had Bray Wyatt looking to Alexa Bliss saying like, what is going on? What is happening? Hands on the head. Oh my God, I'm lost. Nope. We just said that segment's over and that's why you get booed. That's why it's shit. If you would have had the payoff of Alexa Bliss in the ring, give a sister Abigail to Bray Wyatt and then leave. Okay. But you just did some half-assed nonsense and said, forget about it. Move on. Speaking of not understanding and not having a plan, really, and not catching when the iron's hot, uh, the tag team championships for the women's were on the line. Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax versus Natty and and Tamina. And you finally are getting a reaction for Natty and Tamina. The crowd is finally behind them. And we still just decide to go on with the Nia, Jax, Shayna Baszler nothingness of a tag team title. Well, and Tim, I, I think, as I'm checking my watch here, I think they're still wrestling. That match was so fucking long. That was a long match. Of a nothing story. What in the God bless it was that? That was just not needed. Like, after having sat through the the fatal four-way and then that match and then seeing the crowd be behind him and to not have a title change, like, what? None of that was for anything. Yeah, it was just filler, and I did not like it. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and the and the Logan Paul and the Logan Paul actually didn't do terrible here, right? Took spot, um, was good. This was all fit well. I like this. Yeah, I thought this this was a fine match. This was your celebrity. Hey, we got someone famous. Check it out. Good in in ring action between two guys that can always give you a great match. Thought this was did its job again. As I as I mentioned about kind of the higher level view of WrestleMania, ordinary, fine. There you go. Mm-hmm. Move on, you know? Well, we got a U.S. title match, Sheamus and Riddle. And um, yeah, the match was intense. Those guys went at it. There was a couple spots at the end where they, they were just gassed. Looked like well, they I actually I mean, thought outside of, you know, the main event that we'll get to here in a, in a couple moments, this was the best match. Yeah. You take, like, my second match, if I were to rank them, this is the best match of WrestleMania behind the triple threat with Roman 
Edge and Daniel Bryan. That finish where he does yeah, the backflip and the into the kick, thought it was good. But again, as I mentioned with Sasha and Bianca Belair, story there was, was no fucking story told into it, so I didn't care who won. Here's the thing. Let me just real quick before we move on. Here's the thing that I'm the most mad about with WWE is they need to stop relying on their talent to bail them out of shit fucking stories. Mm -hmm. The talent needs to almost sandbag to where it's like, you know what? You told a fucking shit match. I'm going to give you a shit match. I'm not saying they should do that because obviously they'd probably get fired. But what I'm saying is WWE just goes, we're going to give you a D minus fucking story. But the night of a pay-per-view, these two talents who want to do this more than anything in their life are going to just kill their fucking bodies for you. And you're going to like it. And that's going to get you to the next night to view. And it never fucking does. This is such a abusive relationship that our viewers have with WWE. And we need to fucking cut it out because there's no fucking payoff with these cocksucking writers. Or whoever it is. Vince, whoever. They just well, fucking suck. Speaking of no payoffs... We got a Nigerian drum fight that didn't involve a drum. What in uh, the? Where they, they, it's almost like they forgot that they made this a stipulation and then we're like, shit, somebody go buy drums. And they're like, we could only find three drums. And they're like, are you fucking serious? And they're like, yeah, and we've got to return them their rentals. And they're like, God damn it. Nobody hit the drums. This was actually a story going into WrestleMania that I was somewhat interested in because I wanted to see the. I'm from Tampa. This is my roots. I'm from Nigeria. That is my roots. The rubber meets the road. Yeah, but we should have known I will you say, lose your hometown. In yeah. WWE. Of course you do. That's, yeah. As 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 sure as the sun comes out in July, uh, if, you're, if you work in WWE, you're going to lose in your hometown. I thought, though, before the match started, this was the best representation of what Big E should be. Wale performing the big entrance, the pomp and circumstance of just him walking out when he got into the ring and people were excited. That's the fucking guy that we've been waiting for. Now, hopefully some dumb shit in WWE identified that and we get, you know, a SmackDown maybe title run or a title contender against Roman Reigns, but that was my moment for Big E was just the entrance Wale music everything but the match well the ending where we got Dabo Kato who is probably not gonna be called Dabo Kato uh, coming to the aid of the Nigerian prince and we got a title change yeah and actually this was uh, another big theme of Wrestlemania weekend we didn't talk about it at night one because it was forgettable mm -hmm. but AJ Styles and Amos uh, become the oh, yeah, we didn't miss that, huh? raw, yeah, because right. you know, it wasn't fucking, it didn't care. Um, and honestly, it really didn't. But almost and AJ Styles become the tag team champions. Almost again, too. And that I don't think he did terrible. It just again, it, was it was very ordinary. It was very ordinary. Yeah. Yep. I I thought though at the end of WrestleMania, someone should have brought up, and I said it on our Twitter at Table Show. Uh, Giants hate the New Day. Yeah. They do. <laughs> like, what they the really fuck do. did what did the New Day do to Giants? Because they seem to all fucking hate those three members. Yeah. Um, uh, women's championship, Oscar Rhea Ripley. Holy shit! Clunk fest, not dude. And it, um, 
And let's even go to their Raw match. It was just two left feet trying to lead a match, and it did not make... Ugh, not good. Not this good. was not ordinary. This was not good. No, I will say that. And, and, and Rhea Ripley's been given a shaft here because how is she supposed to get over? Like, nobody's going to take this seriously. Nobody cares. Well, and I don't even understand what her character is because if you right. listen, listen to the piped-in noise on Raw, she's getting booze. Again, if you're watching Spanish Announce Table on YouTube, you're seeing me do the air quotes here. But she's getting booze. But let's just quickly mention on NXT when they moved to Tuesday nights, it's her, uh, Raquel Gonzalez, and Bianca Belair, and we're getting cheers. So if you're telling me a 50-50 story with the character, guess what? I don't care about either things. So get the fuck on. And that's kind of how I feel with Rhea, Rhea, Rhea Ripley. You're not telling me a story here. Yeah. So shoo, shoo. <laughs> Get out of here. <laughs> well, then the whole event was saved by, uh, if it's not a top 10 WrestleMania match of all time, it's nearing mm-hmm. it. Uh, yeah. The Universal Championship triple threat, Roman Reigns, Edge, Daniel Bryan. God damn, this was a match. Just well-constructed, A to B to C. Nothing really messed up too much to where you had to go back and do another spot again. Jay Uso selling his body for every spear he took or every mm-hmm. knee from Daniel Bryan he took. You got some concertos. You got some concertos. You got Jay Uso costing Edge the finish at the very end, which then made Roman Reigns feel like he was a million dollars because he pins both fucking guys. This literally felt like a fight to the death. This literally it was felt so- like that. The spot cool. where they both got him in that front, what I don't know what lock they had there, and then they're headbutting yeah. each other trying to mm-hmm. get the other one off. Oh, so fun. Yeah, everything about this match was captivating, intriguing, interesting. I thought it was really done well. Again, you get Roman Reigns, the, the picture of him pinning both people, but then if you watch the match, you know, like, you didn't really beat them. Jay Uso helped you. And so that story alone, moving into SmackDown's well, Edge put going Daniel forward, Bryan out like that. Like, yeah, yeah, it was just, just very well yeah, done. That's the great fallout that's going to be happening tomorrow as we're recording this on Thursday night. I'm excited for that one. But I, yeah, you know, I that's think the most interesting story. We've summed up WrestleMania, I think, throughout the whole thing of just like it just feels ordinary, guys, and they just feel like they put in a half-ass effort to get a B plus result. But I do, and again, I don't know. None of us do. So shut the fuck up if you're gonna hashtag tweet the table and tell me that Roman pitched an idea and they said no, or uh, Bianca pitched an idea and they said no going into WrestleMania. You don't fucking know. Dave Meltzer doesn't fucking know. There's only a couple people who know. Vince, the talent, and the writers. So shut the fuck up. What I will say though, as an outsider viewing this product, it felt like again shitty fucking writing with the talent saying you know what we're gonna do we're gonna bail you out one more time and they did and they did great but when you don't give me a good story you it feels like it's just another fucking event and that's why again wrestlemania to me was ordinary well what isn't ordinary is the level with which we let you the fans interact with us right here on the podcast and you can do that in a couple different ways and we're going to show you that right here right god damn now hashtag tweet the table is the first way on twitter use hashtag tweet the table we are at table show like tom said we live tweet uh, during the dynamites sometimes other events throughout the week we're tweeting stuff out 
But hashtag tweet the table. You can use that any time of the day, any time. We you love hearing from you. You've got a storyline suggestion. You've got a joke. You've got a question. Throw it out there. We're going to read some of them right here. And I've picked out seven of the best, Tom. Best? Tom right here. Let's start with at Theo75. He says, trash ending. The Apex bathroom break defeats the Fiend with a lame KO. This match gets four out of five cornet faces. Hashtag tweet the table. Ooh, I like that. Are we saying the bad end of matches are cornet faces? I would, I would guess, so, yeah, the more cornet faces you get is how bad, like how mad you are at the, at the match, right? I can get behind that. Mm-hmm. I like that, Four Theo. out of five cornet faces is a really shitty... I would say if it had a better payoff, you couldn't go that high. But because of the whole segment itself, I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. At Katie First, Lady says, well, definitely thought night one was the better of the two. A lot of these matches seemed to drag while others were fine, but nothing spectacular. Title matches, for the most part, were the right outcome, and the fact that uh, the next one is Mania Backlash means rematches. Hashtag tweet the table. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I think I like night two better. I, I like night two better. Yeah. I like, I oh, like. We didn't even ma- talk about the, the bad bunny either. That guy did all right. Oh, he we did. Missed a whole well. lot on night one. Yeah, he did well. Look, it was a very predictable ending. It was a very predictable story. Yeah. That's why we forgot he it. He did better than I thought he was going to do based on how he was like just walking around the ring and acting tough on Raw's, right, leading into Mania. Actually, share with us uh, your your tweet that you uh, told me and kind of the sentiment of celebrities exceeding our expectations. If the moves are so easy to be done by celebrities – then maybe the moves. Yeah, right. I, yeah. Would, would, would you say there? It was something to the effect of like, if the moves are so easy to be done by celebrities, maybe the moves shouldn't be what dictates a good fucking match. Yeah, I yeah, I don't remember the exact, but I think I, I yeah, I don't know who tweeted that out, but um, but yeah, that's it. Like the using that like as our as our guide, right? Like the oh, this match was so great because they can do all this flips and shit. Well, yeah, but like a celebrity can come in here and learn how to do some of those. Mm-hmm. in a month and a half and get by in a decent match, especially if you told an amazing storyline around it, right? I mean, it's yeah. how you formulate. Ms. Morrison did great in that. But at any rate, um, yeah, let's move on. <laughs> at WIR Keta says, we truly don't observe or don't deserve the greatness that is Bailey. Hashtag tweet the table. Bailey's fun. God, She's yeah. great. She's doing well. Uh, you know, early on in the first iteration of Spanish announce table, you would see me in a, I'm a hugger t-shirt. I bought in hook line and sinker on NXT Bailey. I thought she was great fun and a breath of fresh air. All of the, you know, taglines you want to put with her thought it was great. She is doing even better as a heel looking like every Karen you've met at a Walmart walking around with the, she, every week she progresses more and more to Vicky Guerrero. I am not going to be shocked in two months time or SummerSlam if she starts coming out saying, excuse me, because she moves closer and closer to that line each time. And that is a compliment. I want you to know that that is me giving her a compliment of just the heel heat she gets of just being a Karen. Uh, uh yeah, I, I love Bailey. I, it, it, her not having a match didn't even take away from any of that, right? Like, it, she was fine in these spots, and mm-hmm. I'm interested to see where this character goes, that's for sure. 
this one's going to be fun. Speaking of uh, some of the ladies, uh, you discussed this match, uh, the mm-hmm. Bianca Belair, uh, Sasha Banks main event, and you got into a little spout with somebody on Twitter, but he did use hashtag tweet the table. So, so we got to read, read it. one of it right here. Yeah, he yeah. says, at Devil Vamp, he says, T-Mac, you are so fucking wrong. It's not even funny. Hashtag tweet the table. That match had passion, great timing, and anything better than the AEW women's division has put or has ever put up. Hashtag table. Fuck you. Woo, well, coming in hot. I like that one. We should have named this hashtag table. Fuck you. I like it. We still can. We still can. Uh, yeah, it's our so show. So Devil Vamp. <laughs> we steal that from you. <laughs> Yeah, Devil Vamp Mm. uh, seems like you need some help. So I'm going to say talk to a friend, not me. Um, You're wrong. (laughs) Yeah, I agree with Tom, whereas I don't think this was an all-time great. I think this was a fine match. It was a good match. They did did a really good job. They hit the marks they were going after. I just, Mm -hmm. the story was shit, so I wasn't invested. Yeah, and this wasn't even the best match of 2021 from the women's division in any promotion. Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa was 10 times this match. Yeah, that match so, was amazing. Way get better. Get out of here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get out of here. At and K- that was a better story. That was a better story, right? We had yeah, all right. of the the little uh, markers that you could say that advanced the feud that gave us the payoff of a great match. So Devil Vamp... Uh, DX suck it. You're wrong. But we love you. We love everybody in yeah, the table keep nation. Listening. Like love everybody you, in the table nation, especially Cutie Marshall. We love yes. love all of you guys. Use hashtag tweet the table. Uh, we're gonna read some of them right here. And go check out hashtag tweet the tables while you're scrolling through. See what else everybody's saying. Comment to each other. Mm-hmm. Make friends. Mm-hmm. And not like you guys made friends, but make friends. <laughs> At Katie First Lady says Well, a positive about the weather delay, getting all these backstage interviews out of the way. And uh, emotions running high. Hashtag tweet the table. I thought it was a, a a weird feeling when that rain delay was happening because with rain, you know, that doesn't follow any type of time construct. Like it could rain for two days, and so it was just this: like, are we gonna do this? Are we gonna? And then with the yeah, and then the backstage yeah. promos made you like, okay, maybe we are, maybe we're not, maybe we are. Then you saw Michael Cole and Samoa Joe and their little ponchas, and so you thought. Maybe we're not, but then they said we're starting in five minutes, so maybe we're. I thought it was fun. They did a really good job of good. advancing well. on the fly. Yeah, Especially for the first really time well. ever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, at WIR Cata says, holy fuck, I'm so over Naya and Shayna as the tag champs. Hashtag tweet the table. So, Tom, I'm going to turn this to you. T-Max story time. What would you mm-hmm. do here? Split them? Do something with them? Yep. What are you going to do? Well, honestly, what I had thought about at WrestleMania after night two was done – I thought the coolest thing you could do, and it's not going to happen because as we kicked off this show, we had breaking news that these two were fired. But I thought what you could have done is at SmackDown, the SmackDown after WrestleMania, Nia Jack, Shayna Baszler say we've taken out everyone. No one can uh, lace up our boots, all the you know heel type of taglines you have. You have Billy Kay walk out and say, hey. I think we could take you to the next level. Here's my resume. And they look at it and they're like, the, this is your name. And, and this is Peyton Royce. And then they flip it over and it's the resume of the Iconics. Peyton Royce then comes out. We get a tag match. The, the Iconics 
yeah, the Iconics versus Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler. The Iconics take over and beat the champs. They become the champs. Oh my God, everyone wanted it to be reunited. The Iconics are back, and then we run with them. Shayna and then Nia could have done that with Natty and, and fucking. Well, those two can't fucking talk. Sure, for... but they could have just yeah. transferred it on to somebody else. In yeah, a couple yeah, of, of weeks. Course. Yeah, like I would have reunited the Iconics to take off the belt, take the belts off of Nia and Shayna, then have Nia and Shayna do a match at fill in the blank Raw or pay per view. But you can't do it now, so I don't know what you do. Dissolve the fucking titles. <laughs> Final one at Theo75 says, WWE just released some talented wrestlers like Samoa Joe, Mickey James, Billy Kay, etc. Yet, they still keep the Apex bathroom break Randy Orton employed? What in the blazes are they thinking? Hashtag tweet the table, hashtag Cornette face. Um, hey, there, there's times when you could have said that. 2017, hmm. there's some years where yeah, Orton's he, money. Yeah, but Orton right now is is money well, i'm surprised if any long-term listeners and new listeners will detect this theme from our longtime buddy uh nobody supports us more than theo than probably quick time marshall if i had to guess but cutie um, we love you buddy um next time next week cutie we'll next get you week on. we'll get you in here uh he's not a big fan of randy orton but now still he's doing his best work ever yeah and the and the oh man you think theo watched the the Broken Skull Sessions? <laughs> you think you hate watching Theo. the Broken well, Skull Theo. Sessions? Theo, hashtag tweet the table. Let us know what you thought of the Randy Orton. If uh, you haven't, Steve tell Boston. us if it changes any of your, of your mind, you know? Definitely. Hey, by the way, uh, was that the last tweet the table? That was the last tweet the table. Before we go into, I believe you said we have an email, correct? Yes, we do. Before we go into that, though, did you see the Chris Jericho Stone Cold Steve I have Austin not Broken finished Storch. it. I think I'm about halfway through, and it's awesome. It is so mm. interesting. I tell you what, a guy in Chris Jericho who says, I'll do whatever the fuck I want. You try to tell me to say something or do something, and I'll give you two middle fingers. And Stone Cold to say, hey, I'm just doing this because I like paychecks. I don't need this shit either. Yeah. These two guys coming together and just shooting the shit. So authentic. So great. Love every second of it. You mentioned emails. We've got emails. Well, we've got an email, but we can always hey. use more emails. Of course. Tableshow at gmail.com, right? Twitter's at tableshow. We're tableshow at gmail.com. Send us an email. We may or may not read it. I'm definitely reading this one because this one is from an old buddy to the show. Ash H. We used to call him A.H. Walker. Right? Yeah. Right. Hey. He says, gentlemen. Long time no speak. First things first, I'm sending this email from work because fuck my job. Yeah. We can support that. Totally support your decision. Despite the low expectations and the less than exciting storylines, I really enjoyed WrestleMania. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn can never get old to me. Mm -hmm. The world title and women's title matches were great, and I have no real problem with most of the finishes of most of the matches. Although Roman didn't need to pin both Brian and Edge. What I do have a problem with is the Fiend-Orton match. This should have been the blow-off, so Bray can finally get a win on Orton, but he took the L and ruined what was a creative, albeit a bit stupid, rivalry. And as Bray goes into his feud with Alexa, I have to wonder when we'll be free of supernatural elements in storylines. 
We all know wrestling itself is silly, and we're not supposed to take it seriously. But at this point, it's becoming cringeworthy, and wrestling shouldn't be that way. I know whatever Bray Wyatt does will be creative and will command attention, but I'm tired of wrestling becoming some bootleg paranormal activity bullshit. Lol. Also, Tom, I saw your Twitter exchange with Vamp. Oh, yeah. Awkward. Anyways, I'm done. Thanks for reading my rambling bullshit, lads. Glad to see you guys are still doing this podcast. Have a good one. Ash. Hey. P.S. Ah, oh, damn it. You guys still accept donations? Think I'm overdue uh-huh. on giving you guys a few dollars. And we do if you go to SpanishAnnounceTable.net. There's a PayPal link right up there. If you know what the PayPal logo looks like, click it. If you don't know what the PayPal logo looks like, ask us. Tableshow at gmail.com. At Tableshow. We'll send you links. We'll get you ways you can send us a dollar. Right? Or more. Or you can buy as much. As much as you want to give. Or you can do whatever you want. Um, I agree. We are no fans of the supernatural, paranormal, sci-fi world of entertainment. Mm-hmm. I did like Undertaker storylines. I liked Mankind storylines, right? I like some of the Kane. Sting Crow stuff. So Kane, right? Um, this would work just fine if it was. There's some cringeworthy stuff, right? I, I agree with him. Like it goes a little sometimes where I'm like, this, uh, you know, jump the shark, right? Um, so yeah, I agree with him a little bit on that. Yeah, I'll agree with that. I, I think you know. On one hand, I liked the aspect of possessed Randy Orton cutting a promo on Randy on Orton himself. on yeah. Raw. Brother smacks that himself was, down. Yeah, that was captivating, and what's the next step? But, you know, if you yin-yang this and you go back on the other end of the spectrum, him spitting up black goo like Ultimate Warrior and Papa Shango in 90-whatever the year was is not great. And so... The thing about it is it's very hard to walk that line and do a Randy Orton cuts a heel promo on Randy Orton and then black goo from Randy Orton's stomach or wherever it came from. And so credit to them for at least taking the chance. I will never fully shit on a storyline that at least puts forth effort to say we're trying something new. The worst thing I think pro wrestling can ever be is, you know what used to work? ABC. Do you know what we're doing again? Run the ABC. Back, yeah, I can't. No, I'm never going to give credit to that either. I just, that is not True that. entertainment. So for them to at least say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to have some. Bugs on the ring. Yeah, evil fucking thing. Good try. Good right? try. Yeah. Wasn't good, but good try. Keep trying, right? Because if you say 10 things, one of them's going to be great. Yeah, they're going to keep trying this Randy Orton Bray Wyatt thing. It's going to keep, this is going to be a long time rivalry for years to come. As long as both of them are still that way. Yeah. It definitely seems that way. Now, the interesting aspect from Ash's email, though, that I want to talk about real quick is he's assuming we're getting a feud between Bray Wyatt and Alexa Bliss. I don't agree with that. I don't even think these two are going to see each other until SummerSlam, WrestleMania, big pay-per-view. I think what we saw at Monday Night Raw was Alexa Bliss saying, you guys wanted a female fiend? You got one in me. Yeah, she doesn't have to be tied to the fiend now. They've got a supernatural girl in the world. We have the story of how she got there. And It wasn't just Alexa Bliss went away and then came back weird. And also, if you caught Charlotte Flair, who debuted again on Raw... She cut down a lot of women, one in which was... 
Alexa, Alexa yeah. Bliss. First of all, let's hit that because that was post-mania and we didn't discuss it. Uh, and thanks, Ash, uh, for the email. Love yeah, that. thank you so much. More people. And yes, by all means, you're way overdue for donations, dude. Way overdue. In fucking years. If, if you uh, send us another email, we'll actually tell you the amount. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah. I've got to calculate. <laughs> I just got to run the, uh, the script over here. Um, Charlotte's promo. I liked it. So... Yeah, I thought it was good, but here's what I'll say about Charlotte coming back. As good as it was, and it was good, felt like we've seen this again, right? I can tell you so many times of Charlotte thinks she's the queen bee, and she's going to tell you that she's the queen bee. Saw it when I used to tell you that Charlotte was the best heel in WWE a couple years ago, and we're seeing it again. Again, what I'm saying here is ABC worked. So let's do ABC again. And to me, okay, nah. I'm not going to be fully invested because it's the same song and dance. You're playing the hits, pal. And for as good as Charlotte is as a heel, I need a new wrinkle in why she's the heel this time instead of I'm the best. Cool. You said that last time. What are you, John Cena? I didn't like John Cena either. So fucking come up with a new tagline here. But going back to... I think Alexa Bliss, Charlotte is where we're going. You know, again, not next week, but that's where we're going. And Bray Wyatt essentially said in his Firefly Funhouse, I'm reborn. I'm renewed. So that tells me I'm going this way. And so I don't think we are necessarily going to get yeah, Alexa Bliss. You may be right. Uh, Bray Wyatt. It'd be interesting to see where we go. But uh, I know where we're going and we're going uh, to go about our lives and we're gonna leave you we survived another tax day uh, the axe day mm -hmm. and uh we're still here you didn't get rid of us yet so yeah suck it ha ha the spanish announce table